The healthcare workers in the hospitals right now taking care of people, this is their third tour of duty. This is their third tour of duty. So it's like being in a war zone with intense fire, intense fire. And you're going out every night like they did on those um, those uh, missions in Vietnam, for example. And the enemy is everywhere. And you're hunkered down, scared to death, doing the best you can to survive. That's what it's like for the healthcare workers fighting this fight every day. Welcome in. Another good week. Another good week of your favorite Alabama political podcast, Alabama politics this week. Uh, this one, I, I got to say, it's probably going to be our best ever. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah, listen, you know, if it's not, you'll have listened before you know that. So, uh, but... Uh, I think that we, we do have a good one. We're going to give you some good COVID information uh, with Dr. Sag from UAB, who is uh, probably the one of the best experts on uh, on the virus and on the vaccine. And uh, he know, he knows his stuff, and he's not afraid to tell you the actual facts. And and he does not spare feelings. Uh, he made me cry last time, I think. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just, I, I don't remember I don't that. Did you cry? I, 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 he. I, I didn't cry, but he would not have cared had I cried. Okay, because it's yeah. yeah. Listen, he just tells you what's up, and that's it. You know, uh-huh. he moves on. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, so we've we've got that, and we've got a, a full slate of, of things. Uh, re- more Republican idiocy, and oh, I, you know. By the way, I'm I'm Josh Moon, and the other person that you hear there is David Person. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, and I don't think that there's any. You know, I know we're going to talk a lot in depth, a lot of in depth stuff about COVID later, but you know to to dance around the periphery some here with the political ramifications of things. Uh, you know, we, we are seeing uh, slowly, well, you know, not slowly, we're seeing a, a big uptick in, in vaccination rate in this state. A uh, lot more vaccines distributed over the last few weeks, which is very, very good. Uh, thank you to everybody that has gone and done that. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of politicians now that uh, so I guess it started a couple of weeks ago uh, that are kind of backtracking. Um, and and I know we, we all saw the Asa Hutchinson deal from Arkansas, uh, the governor there saying he wished he had not signed the, the mask ban or whatever the hell it was that they one of those other stupid bills they signed. Uh, the same same bills we all signed here and every Republican governor and re- legislature put forward and tried to sign. Um, and so I I wonder where our friends on the right side of the aisle are are going to go with this because um you know is this this could be a pretty big problem for them um you, you know the the left you know quote unquote the left democrats have have stayed pretty true and pretty consistent in the messaging and it has not been scare tactics and uh, and bs it has been Here's what the science is saying to us. This is what doctors and everybody is saying. This is what you should do. And here we're going to we're going to give you funds and we're going to give you incentive to go and do these things that would save our lives and save more American lives. And I think those things have played out to be very, very accurate. And um, and I think a lot of American people are starting to take notice that one side of this thing had it right. And the other one is basically drowning right now. Yeah, I think you're right. People that are sensible understand that there is something really crazy about 
some of the positions that have been taken by the Republican Party generally and and then some uh, specific people, you know, who are Republicans, who are just, you know, who have decided to politicize things that have nothing to do with politics and everything to do with saving lives. And I think what's really sealing the deal, unfortunately, Josh, the tragic thing is what's sealing the deal is these deathbed confessions or near deathbed confessions that we're starting to see more of, or or I say confessions, that's not the right word, but pleas, you know, Mm -hmm. these pleas from people who are, you know, in the hospital, intubated, some of them on their deathbeds, and they're saying, I should have gotten the vaccine, you yeah. know, uh, or, or, and so people are beginning to realize, you know, this, this whole politicization of this issue was just stupid, and mm-hmm. it never should have been about politics. And then the thing that's also crazy is one of the chief politicizers, obviously, was Trump. Mm-hmm. And yet Trump got the vaccine. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, it's, uh, I mean, I'm wondering how they've missed that, that, that the person they're following, he actually got the vaccine. Yeah, uh, it's it's been this this weird dance that they've done. A lot of them. OK, Ivy is another one, uh, you know, yeah. who's who's done this weird dance where, you know, she was first in line to get the damn thing, which I understand. And, and she should have been given her health, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, but. You know, and then she she's done this other stuff with, uh, and especially of late with, oh, we're open for business. Well, not everybody, because a lot of places have had to close because of COVID. That's right. Uh, you know, and it's going to get worse if we don't do something better. And and this is this is classic, classic Republican governance, right? This is, I mean, this is it's they never see it coming. They can never plan for the future. They can never put forth any effort uh, for legislation and things that build towards a better future. They always have to be dragged along into something that they don't understand or something that's a little bit different. I mean, it's, it is classic Republican failure of governance is what this is. Because, you know, the, the first sign of sunlight and they were like, oh, look at this. It's over. We're all dancing in the streets and let's all spend money. You know, and it's not. And it was. Everybody was like, whoa, you know, let's let's slow down. Let's make sure we get the vaccine in people. Let's push this thing forward. And instead of doing that, they placated to this base of people that are that, you know, are freedom and, you know, whatever uh, out there. And and this is the result of this. This is the result of you passing vaccine passport bans and you talking about freedom and how people shouldn't be forced to get vaccines, which people have been forced to get vaccines and prove it. Forever in this country. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Everybody yeah. who's gone to public school had to prove you were vaccinated with a a vaccine passport, you know? I mean, <laughs> they call them blue cards. I've got one for my daughter. Took it yeah. to, to the daycare. They wouldn't let her in without it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. listen, this was a Baptist daycare. <gasps> you know? I mean, this is it's so ridiculous. And yeah. and in the process in Alabama, this is how stupid they are. Arthur Orr, our good friend from Decatur, that was has never let, met a bad piece of legislation that he wouldn't sponsor or co-sponsor, uh, has this bill that he sponsored banning vaccine passports, and the damn thing bans all new vaccines. All of them. You can't you can't force anybody to get anything anymore. So schools can no longer require, let's say one of these old viruses pops back up, which occurs from time to time. uh, And there's a new vaccine that comes out. Schools can't require it. 
We could have smallpox raging in the schools again. Polio yeah. could make a comeback. You know? Yeah. 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 No, Just, you're right. It's uh, it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. And um, I'd like to I'd like to return to one unfortunate. I'm going to say devolution in the Republican Party, and that because it wasn't always this way, but I but something happened, and I think it it may have happened. It may have started uh, with the rise of talk radio. I don't know. Or maybe it was further into the 2000s. But this this whole idea that as a political strategy, we've got to pander to ignorance and pander to prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, pandering to prejudice actually is an old, that's old school. That's old school. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Republicans have done it. Democrats have done it. I mean, that's sort of old school American politics, white American politics, and speci- uh, specifically, I would say, white supremacist politics. But, 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 this who, but this new, in addition to pandering to, to prejudice, this idea that we should also pander to ignorance is really dangerous and and i th- i think that that maybe slowly you know and again it was it was refreshing you know to see asa hutchinson governor of arkansas who used to be viewed as a relatively at one point a relatively moderate republican or at least a mildly a mild conservative not a a raging conservative um you know it was refreshing to see him say you know what? Uh, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have signed that that uh, you know that uh, ban on um, uh, what was it that he signed, Josh? Was it a ban on on mask? I think that's what it was, right? It's mask, yeah, the yeah. mask mandate. Ban on, yeah, that, that's right. That's the word I was looking for. The mask, the, the, yeah. The, you know, he should not have to see him say that he should not have done that was really refreshing. Um, but unfortunately. He's now in a predicament where politically he's sort of boxed in and he's got to figure out how does he undo this damage. And, you know, I hate it for him. I hate it for the people of his state, but I do commend him at least for for owning it, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it would just be nice if <clears throat> they didn't always take the the easy road on these things, uh, you know. Uh, and that's what they've done. They, they've taken this easy road uh, to, uh, to to kind of placating the squeakiest wheels, uh, you know, to, to just to just grease in those wheels when you know that those people do not represent a majority of the you know, of, of your constituency. Um, you know, even in Alabama, that, that this is I know that only 40 percent of the people are vaccinated, but uh, it, it is not the, the majority of people here. Uh, are not in this camp of crazies. They're they're just not. There's a lot of, um, you know, what what do you th- honestly? I kind of think it's it's just simple laziness in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, it's people that that just look at it. I, I mean, I've had these discussions with people. I had one with somebody in my family not long ago. It, it was just, uh, I don't really care anything about that. You know, and I'm just yeah. like, what? What are you talking about? You don't care anything about that. It, you know, and it's just, uh, I, I, that's what gets me is there There doesn't seem to be in a lot of these cases of people not getting vaccinated, which is why I think the vaccine rate has gone up was because there was never a real reason 
that any of them had. There was no strongly held belief system that was in place there that prevented them from going out and getting this vaccine. They they just didn't. Ah, you know, my friends ain't doing it, so I ain't doing it neither. You know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think there. I think you're right. There's this sort of uh, apathy that comes from. Uh, it could be laziness. It could be just that that old human tendency to just think, oh, it'll never happen to me. It just yeah. won't happen to me. You know, for whatever reason, whatever delusion we we tell ourselves or that we sell ourselves, and and I think it. But but whatever the reason is, you're right. People just uh, they just seem to think that they were going to be the exception, and now an increasing number of people are having to face the fact that no, they're they're not going to be the exception, and anybody potentially can be. In fact, I talked to uh, I talked to two people, two hunt civilians earlier this week, or talked with one of them, husband, the husband, who was telling me that they were wearing masks, both vaccinated, but they took a they got on an airplane, they had to fly out of state for something, mm-hmm. so they 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 come back. And both of them have tested positive for COVID, you know. And these are the kind of people who are very meticulous, very meticulous. Both of them attorneys, very meticulous people. And so when they say to me that they tested positive, I know that there is a certain level of vulnerability here that we all must have with this vaccine because I don't, I can't think of any two people that I would say would be more meticulous about being careful than these two, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, actually both of them have pre-existing conditions too, that would make them vulnerable. So yeah. again, this is a deadly virus. People need to take it seriously. And I know we're going to have a deeper conversation with that coming up with our guest, but we just need to take it seriously and take all the precautions that we can and really treat it like, hey, this is something that if you take the wrong step or make the wrong decision, it could literally could could make you sick or worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you're 100 percent right. Uh, you're 100 percent right. And, you know, and, I, and we are going to have a, a more in-depth conversation. So uh, let's if we if we can, let's switch gears for a second. Um, and speaking of wrong steps, and <laughs> look at that segue, uh, Mike Blakely, uh, I guess who is now the former Limestone County Sheriff, uh, was indeed convicted uh, last week of two, or I guess earlier this week, I'm sorry, earlier this week, uh, mm-hmm. two of the 10 charges he faced, one theft, one ethics charge. Uh, the the charges, uh, you know, the jury found him not guilty on all the others. And then uh, on the two, one was for taking a uh, $4,000 check from um, Red Brick Strategies, which I wrote about. Uh, yeah. And I honestly, I never, I, I'll, I'll be honest and tell you, I never thought that that man would get convicted of that at, with all of the stuff that went on around that. But mm. I think, you know, maybe the, I, I will say this, I will say that to me, was the most serious of the crimes that was that it leveled against him. That the uh, the charges against him, that one to me, the that it implied a scheme. You had a person there that said he did it and participated in it. Uh, that to me was probably the most serious of the charges. The other one uh, was the taking. Another big surprise was taking the money out of the the inmates' uh, funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the IOUs and the reason why. I, uh, I thought that he would never get convicted of that is it was all paid back and balanced. 
uh, the all state audit proved it. And they were doing it for so many other employees in the office. And when the auditors came in and said, hey, you can't do that, they stopped doing it. So I, I thought, you know, I thought all of those things together uh, would have led the jury, which I felt like probably wanted to not convict, uh, you know, to enter a not guilty for, for Blakely. Uh, I, I thought that would lead them to not on those. So I was not surprised necessarily that he was convicted of something. I was very surprised that he was convicted of those two things. So, you know, that's, those were my thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, all I'll say is I think it is important that elected officials, as I said the last time we talked about this, elected officials, to me, have to live up to a higher standard. And when they are not living up to that higher standard, then they have to face whatever penalties the law allows. And I don't, you know, again, I just think that's the way it has to be. That's how you, that's how you hopefully discourage corruption. It's how you protect people from unjust consequences and from being victimized. And I, you know, I think, unfortunately, this is where the former sheriff failed. Mm -hmm. uh, nice guy. I've, I've been around him. Nice guy. Don't have any personal animus toward him at all. but. You know, he was the sheriff and the yeah. sheriff can't be breaking the law yeah. and the no, sheriff no, I'm, also I'm can't yeah. be doing stuff that's ethically questionable. It just can't be. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I think we, we disagreed on the on the gambling parts of things. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and because, I, I, you know, I view gambling differently than some people in this state. And I realize that I, you know, I view it as an entertainment exercise. And, uh, you know, I know people get get caught up in it and, and have the addiction issues. And, and clearly, Mike Blakely had it seems Mike Blakely had an addiction issue. Uh, and I don't think he did himself any favors by getting on the stand and saying that he didn't. Uh, you know, I, th I feel like he should have said, listen, I, um, I am, you know, I, I, I felt like I did have a problem there for a while after I had some family stuff go on and I got help, you know, and I think some people would have been more compassionate about that. I do think that they have a pretty good uh, case for appeal uh, on, on the Trent Willis deal uh, on that charge uh, because of the way the AG's office hid the fact that Willis was under investigation uh, by the AG's office, which could have been brought out, um, you know, and, and also kind of prevented some things from being asked of him uh, earlier. So, you know, I think that that was, uh, you know, which, you know, everybody could have found out had they just read APR, <laughs> you know, <that's> <laughs> self plug. Uh, but, um, you know, I, it is. It, it's a shame, you know. I, like I said, I, you know, I'm grown, having grown up around here, everybody kind of knows Mike Blakely, and um, you know, I, I nobody ever thought Mike Blakely was pure as the driven snow, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, and and th there were some problems, uh, particularly with gambling and things like that. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think anybody. I don't know. I, you know, even today, I don't know that anybody would say Mike Blakely is some huge crook. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, it just, what did, was he scrambling to cover gambling problems and things like that? Uh, yeah, probably so. What, but, you know, the, to me, there's a little bit of a difference in that versus somebody who is just 
a my cupboard type person that is just flat and greedy uh, and trying his best to just hoard money and power uh, and things. To me, it was Mike, Mike Blakely did some things that were questionable because he got himself into a bind because of an addiction issue. Um, and that led to some things that he should not have done to, to cover his accounts and to cover, uh, you know, not writing bad checks and things like that. And, I, and, and that got him into some trouble. And so um, I'll say this. I have a I have a pretty big problem with Mike Blakely being in jail and the two cops who are convicted of murder currently being out of jail. Man, uh, I have a huge ass problem with that. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, I, I, and I'm not saying Blakely should be out, but their asses should be in. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. What I mean, absolutely. what the hell are we doing here, man? You know, I mean, it just is, uh, I, I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. They they should be in and and perhaps he should be out. Perhaps he should be, because as you pointed out, you know, this was this was more about uh, really an outgrowth. It sounds as though at least this was more about addictive consequences of addiction than just, you know, uh, some commitment to be corrupt and greedy and power hungry and whatever. Uh, so I'm I'm with you on all of that. I mean, I, I you know, I have sympathy for uh, the sheriff in that regard. You know, addiction is a serious thing and it makes people yeah. do some some things that, you know, uh, all of us would say we would regret. But, yeah. you know, having said that, um, uh, well, well, enough of that. To go back to your other point. And, and I don't know what can be done about this, but. And and perhaps nothing, because, you know, what, you know, I don't know if we're dealing here with Alabama law or if we're dealing with, you know, laws and regulations that affect counties and, lo- and localities, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, municipalities, rather. But it seems to me like, like it ought to be a given that if you've been convicted of murder, You've been convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be walking around free, especially, especially if you're a police officer, yeah, or or a yeah. member of law enforcement, especially. Come I just don't, I don't understand it, man. And, yeah. and so we've got AC Smith in Montgomery, and then we've got uh, the guy in Huntsville. Uh, what's what's his name? Darby. Uh, Darby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that both of these guys have been convicted by a jury of of murder. Uh, well, Darby was convicted of murder. Uh, the the AC Smith was manslaughter, uh, but really murder. Uh, and you know, they they were sentenced, and now they're out uh, on appeals. Uh, or well, the 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 one uh, AC Smith has been sentenced. I'm sorry, Darby has not yet been sentenced, and that's what he's waiting on. He's, yeah, he's he is out as yeah. he awaits sentencing. So, so that I mean, do you think that some Kid, and I'm not even going to identify this kid by race. Some kid, some 19, 20, 21 year old kid who has been convicted by a jury of shooting and killing someone. Do you think that this kid is getting out of jail while he awaits sentencing or while he is appealing that murder conviction? No, no, no. A new law was passed to let judges deny bail to keep people charged with violent felonies in jail even before they're convicted. Yeah. Uh, so again, that just sort of bolsters our point that there's something real foul about, you know, Darby and that other officer in Montgomery, um, you know, not being yeah. locked up. And we know that if they were 
the average defendant in this state, they would be, with the possible exception of somebody who had a truckload of money behind them. Yeah, so. yeah, and 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 given the way they behaved, you know, mm-hmm. it, it the, the egregious nature of what they did. Yeah, I mean, it just was they 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 clearly killed two people. You know, just it just misused their power and clearly just killed two people. And it, um, you know, that they should at some point go on some track sort of resembling normal people, you know, after you've been convicted of a crime. I understand benefit of the doubt on on, to a point on things and uh, all that uh, because it is a tough job and everything else. I, I, I get that, you know, on the front end of things, but man, you know, after you get the fact, after the facts are laid bare and you see all the footage and you see what happened, it's time to start treating people like they're supposed to be treated under the law. And, you know, and that's clearly not taking place in those two cases. And, and it's a real shame. And it's really on the backs again of, of judges. Uh, you know, the judges are the ones that have the authority to do this in both cases. Those judges have let these guys out of jail. Uh, and the DAs in both cases are saying, Hey, what the hell are we doing here? We put these guys in jail where they belong. Yeah. Um, Blakely, you know, I, I think he'll eventually get a bond. I don't, I, I think the, you know, I, I think this, what's happening with, with him here at this point is kind of an indication of, uh, of the way the judge handled this all along. I don't believe that she was a fan of Mike Blakely for whatever reason. Um, and, um, uh, I think that that, uh, kind of is showing in this. And so, well, um, well, well, let me ask you a question about that. You're saying you don't think she was a fan. Now, is that what you're saying? Or are you actually saying you think she had a bias against him? I think that she was a very pro prosecution judge and that she, um, ruled, uh, there were a number of rulings in that case that I felt like went for the prosecution, that, particularly the, the Trent Willis stuff. Um, you know, that to me, I, I thought, I thought it was a very quick ruling by her. I thought it was a very egregious violation of the court in which they lied repeatedly to the court about the status of Trent Willis being investigated by the AG's office repeatedly. Uh, and then at the end of questioning of him by the prosecution to have the gall to say, oh, yeah, by the way, he's under investigation. Could you advise him of his Fifth Amendment rights? Mm. That, to me, is, I mean, it, it is unfair. It, it, and, and I think, I, you know, I don't know, you know, because it, it's so hard to say this uh, about Alabama courts because there's so much politics involved and we've muddied them to the point where they're so absurd, especially the Alabama Supreme Court. Uh, some of the appeals courts are better. Uh, so maybe there's, I have some faith in them to do the right things at times. But we have so politicized our courts that you cannot rely on them to follow laws anymore uh, and precedent. Uh, because they'll do what is politically advantageous to them uh, in their campaigns and the campaigns of their friends. And they'll do it repeatedly and without a hesitation. Uh, and and so I don't know. I would like to think that some of this you could take to a, to a higher court and say, look at what happened. And it would be looked at. I, you know, I don't think everything's going to be overturned with Blakely. I'm not saying that at all or that it should necessarily. OK. Um, you know, but I do think this particular issue I think was handled very unfairly by the AG's office and by the court itself. And I think that, uh, that, that somebody should take a look at that and, and, and maybe make some 
to rectify it in some manner, um, you know, whether they overturn that charge or whatever. Um, but the other one, the taking the money out, he's going to have to own up to that and, and face whatever it is he faces out of that because, I mean, that was handled properly and all the facts were out there. And a matter of fact, he probably got a little too much help from the jail people uh, mm-hmm. in, in his defense on that. But at the same time, you know, I just I just feel like that that other thing, it was just so shady. You know what I mean? If he did it, whatever. Okay, fine. But don't hide the guy. Don't hide the fact that he's under investigation so you can make it, you know, so you can better up your case like that. You know, let the facts fall where they may. And as you saw, the jury clearly didn't care that he was also under investigation and that he couldn't be trusted. Mm-hmm. They clearly did not care that an ethics, a guy on the ethics commission testified in defense basically of the sheriff. And so, you know, it just the whole thing reeks to high heaven and it just, uh, I, I just feel like that, that something ought to be done with that. But, you know, all right. Well, let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's slide out uh, and get a guy in here who knows what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Dr. Michael Sack from UAB. It will join us when we come back. It's Alabama Politics This Week. Back in a minute. Alrighty, welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Um, you know, the last time we had uh, Dr. Michael Sagan, we had a great conversation, but I was hoping to never speak to him again. <laughs> uh, I was I was hoping that at a point we would get this vaccine, we would all be great, and things would go. We would actually be open for business, and um, and unfortunately, that has has not really turned out to be the case. Uh, Dr. Michael Sag, professor of medicine in the division of infectious diseases at UAB, uh, and really the guy that knows stuff. Uh, and, and that's how we identify. He knows this COVID stuff and 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 disease and um, and you when you hear him talk, you'll understand why we say that. But uh, it's a, a pleasure again to have you back on. I wish we didn't have to talk about this, but we we do, and so we really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Well, it's good to be back with you. I wish we were talking about maybe the other side of this when we get through it. Maybe you'll have me back. Of- maybe six months or a year from now when we're through this uh, and can look at it in the rearview mirror, but we're, we're headed into a huge storm right now. And it's a little bit uh, scary in the sense of what might have happened to hospitals, but we can get into all that. Yeah. It's, and that's, uh, you know, I have a list of, of questions and uh, some of them are, you know, are, are really kind of my personal thing because, you know, listen, why else have a podcast uh, unless you can ask your own personal questions about stuff. But um, the, one of the things I wanted to ask you about first to kind of set this up was where do you think we are headed with this? I mean, I, I, you know, you see a lot of predictions from people and you see the charts and people predicting that it's going to go through the roof. Some others saying, uh, no, it's going to, it's going to, you know, fall off a cliff in a few weeks because this thing is spreading so quickly, uh, out through, uh, through the population. What do you think is going to take place? 
Well, let's start with the past as prologue. So we've been through 18 months of COVID and we are worst part of COVID in Alabama and most of the United States was January of this year, 2021, where we peaked out, hospitals were stretched, ICUs were full, uh, and then the vaccine started to take a, a hold and the numbers came down nicely into April, May, June, we were at uh, three per hundred thousand, bookmark that for a second, three per hundred thousand. And all of us sort of relaxed. We started getting back to normal, uh, went out, uh, started doing normal activities, gathering in larger crowds. But then Delta hit and Delta is different. So the first thing I'd say to everyone is put all of your knowledge of COVID aside for a moment as we talk about Delta and what it is. Delta is about two to 10 times more transmissible. So that means if you're in the room with somebody with the old virus, you could be in a closed space for 10 minutes, you get infected. This one in a closed space for about a minute and you're gonna pick it up. And you know that right now from all the people, friends, relatives who you talk to who are infected. At the end of July, we saw projections that tell us that by Labor Day, three weeks from now, we will have a peak that is somewhere between two and three times our worst day in January 2021. That's how bad it's going to get. That's how bad it is right now. We're on a steep curve at the moment, headed for the heart of a storm. And we really need to brace ourselves for this. Prepare and get into action. If you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. You're going to hear me say that a lot during this segment. Vaccination is our ticket out of this. And the reason why it hit so hard in Alabama is because on July 4th weekend, when everybody was partying like it was 1999, uh, this virus was ripping through the unvaccinated population, which was about two thirds of the people in the state of Alabama. One of the things, and this kind of is, it gets into the more uh, personally for me, uh, and I think for a lot of other people as well, because uh, one of the things that is scariest to me is I have a three-year-old daughter. Um, and so I wanted to ask you kind of a series of questions about this. And, and I guess I could just ask them real quick and, and you can answer them in whatever order you like, which is, does this virus affect children more, uh, more than the previous? Is it more deadly for children? Um, and is there anything we can do to protect say three to, to 12 year olds? Well, as I said a second ago, Delta is different. And yes, unfortunately, uh, the answer to your question is Delta is affecting children much more than the original virus and the alpha variant ever did. Um, it's more transmissible, as I mentioned. Um, children between the ages of just a couple of months to early adolescence are coming into children's hospital right now uh, in numbers that we had not seen before. It's not uh, swarming them at the moment, but I'm worried that by Labor Day, and especially as school starts again, we're going to see a lot of school-age kids coming into children's. I hope I'm wrong, but I think we need to anticipate that with this storm surge that we're going through right now. Um, the virus is more deadly for everyone who gets it. And we're seeing it, especially in young adults, uh, young adults who really kind of, they got COVID, no big deal. Uh, they could get through this. They wouldn't get terribly sick. That's not true anymore. 
And so we have 20-year-old, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds in the hospital in UAB, uh, several of whom are in the ICU and several of whom are dying. And that's different. That Delta is much more deadly. It causes people to get sicker quicker, and it does affect young children. So what can you do? Uh, avoid large crowds with your kids. Under the age of 12 right now, they're not eligible for vaccines, so they're vulnerable. And when you go out into any group of people that you don't know their vaccination status, especially like I means outside of your family unit, have them wear a mask. If everyone's wearing a mask, masks work. But if if only a few people are wearing them, they can work a little bit to protect the person wearing it. But where it really makes a difference is if you're around somebody who's infected, they don't know it, you don't know it, they're spewing virus into the air around them, and you can pick it up even through a mask or around a mask, basically. But if they're wearing a mask and they're infected, it blocks about 90% of what they're spewing out there, if you will, and that helps make us all safer. So, Dr. Sag. Would you advise Governor Ivey and some of these other governors to recant their position that there should not be mask mandates? And would you advise them to institute one? Well, the short answer is yes, uh, because we don't have much else right now, especially for kids under the age of 12. I think. For this entire epidemic, sadly, politics dominated public health. Normally, if, we in, if we're dealing with tuberculosis, let's say there's an outbreak somewhere, nobody gets in the way of what the public officials have to do, and we bring it under control. When's the last time you've seen a tuberculosis outbreak in Alabama, or for that matter, anywhere else in the United States? Public health officials know what they're doing. But because of the politics, maybe because it was an election year last year, whatever it was, social media, uh, the politics has infused and a lot of public officials who are elected uh, are playing to their base. And uh, some of them are yielding to what they think the base wants to hear. Somehow the term freedom has replaced public health. Like, I have a choice whether I wear a mask. I have a choice whether I get a vaccine. That's like saying, you know, if I'm in a, uh, if I'm in a, uh, uh, in a sort of, let's say, decaying building, like the one that collapsed in Miami, sadly, um, a public health inspector comes around and says, this building's dangerous. And then you say to the inhabitants, you can stay if you'd like. It's really up to you. That's not public health. That's abdicating responsibility to an individual who may not fully understand the big picture details and the depth of the danger. And that's what we're experiencing right now. Public health officials around the country and around the world, for that matter, are all in lockstep. They're saying the same thing. Why? Because this is public health 101. This is how you deal with an epidemic that's transmitted by a respiratory route. You isolate people who are infected, you quarantine those exposed who are not vaccinated, you vaccinate as quickly as you can. And while you're waiting for that to take hold, you wear masks when you're out in public and you limit the exposure to people indoors and you avoid large crowds. Nothing's magical. It's just common sense and public health 101. Okay. Let me ask you another question, a slightly different question. 
or maybe not so slightly. One of the one of the new solutions that's being touted in some circles is a booster shot or a third shot. What's your position on that? Well, let's go back to the basics. Why would we need a booster? Well, because if the immunity from the original series starts to wane, or if a new variant comes out to which the initial immunization doesn't work, we start with the second one. We fortunately, even though we're dealing with Delta, the vaccine works remarkably well still against Delta in terms of preventing hospitalizations and preventing deaths. In May of this year, there were 18,000 deaths in the United States. 17,850 of those deaths were among unvaccinated people. In June, same story, 10,000 deaths, 99.2% were in unvaccinated people. The vaccine's still working. What's different a little bit about Delta, whereas with the original virus and with Alpha, the one from January, February that persisted, the vaccine to, seemed to prevent symptomatic infection up to 95%. So that's what we got used to. With Delta, we're seeing maybe protection of 85, 80%. Um, the Israeli study shows it being lower. But remember, in Israel, 85 to 90% of their population are vaccinated. So the chances are any infection is likely to be among an, a vaccinated person by definition. And their overall numbers are very low, and they're experiencing Delta. So the, currently, the vaccines still work. What about waning immunity? Well, we haven't really seen it yet, but we might. So we're monitoring that. And the other thing that we would argue for a booster right now, if, this, if the person who's been vaccinated has, is immunocompromised, they're a cancer patient undergoing chemo, they're, in, they're on some immune-based therapy, for say inflammatory bowel disease or psoriasis or arthritis, a lot of people getting those immune modulators, those are the folks who probably should get a booster now based on data from the last two weeks. And some hematologists at UAB I know are sending out letters suggesting it. A reason if you're not immunocompromised to wait just a bit, in addition to the fact that the, the immunity seems to be holding up for most everyone, is that newer shots are being developed. So Pfizer, Moderna, others are working on uh, equivalent of a booster that has, for example, the Delta variant as the as the vector, as the as the thing that is causing protections. That would be a better vaccine against Delta than getting a third shot of what they what we got back in uh, December, January. So it's a moving target. We're following the data. And it's a tough, tough question. I think we all will get a booster at some point. The question is when and with what. Were you um, were you surprised by the the, the recent CDC uh, information packet that went out that showed uh, you know some of the changes? Uh, I, I think it was uh, to me it, it was surprising. But obviously, I'm not in your field, and so uh, but that, that showed that you know va- even vaccinated people could kind of carry uh, the virus around and could and could spread it. Was that surprising to you? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I wasn't expecting it for, for the listeners. Uh, these are data that a very detailed study out of Provincetown, Cape Cod in Massachusetts, where uh, there was a event where the majority of people, vast majority were vaccinated. So they were following guidance and they were around other vaccinated people and they didn't wear masks and they got into crowded areas. And uh, there was a fairly substantial outbreak that happened there. 
And I think it's 74% of the new cases were among vaccinated people. And they had evidence that the vaccinated person could transmit to another vaccinated person. And even more surprising, when they could measure the amount of virus in the nasal passage in the airways uh, through their tests, that the amount of virus, uh, the viral load was similar in a vaccinated person as was in an unvaccinated person. Those were very surprising to me. That told us that Delta is indeed different. But here's the silver lining good news in that study. Despite the fact that the viral loads were comparable between vaccinated and unvaccinated, the vaccinated people did not get very sick. Very few went in the hospital, no deaths that I'm aware of. And that's why we know the vaccines work. But it did have CDC, all of us, tap the brakes and say, wait a minute, we're going to have to revise this masking policy because we did not know, we were not aware uh, that vaccinated persons could transmit to other people. And now we have proof. So to those folks listening who are sort of haters of the CDC and think they do a bad job, this is where they've done their job extremely well. And if you look at the surface and say, oh, they're flip-flopping. You know, if this were politics, right, if this were, and I say never wear a mask, and now, oops, no, I'm sorry, you should wear a mask. Wait a minute, this is science. This is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to follow the data. Rochelle Walensky, the director, said, I'm going to take office. I'm not going to get embroiled in politics, and I'm going to follow the data. Well, guess what? That's exactly what she's doing. And I'm proud of her for having the courage, frankly, to stand up and say, hey, it's not so much that we were wrong. What it's just that this virus is different than what we thought. And it's our job to alert the public, show the data and make recommendations that follow the data. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're living in a, in a world where nobody can admit that they might have been mistaken about this thing. And now that they've had more data. Well, no, OK, we, we see that we should have said this other thing. That, that's just a whoa. You know, you can't do that anymore, apparently. Uh, and everybody has been wrong. But about this thing at one time or another. And it's it's all based to me on your intentions, you know, and uh, if your intentions are to try to save people's lives and to make sure that they're not sick and dying, that to me is what, you know, why are people so, I just don't understand the hate and, and the anger about the whole thing. I, I really don't. But uh, I want to ask one more about the, about the kids, uh, because I think there are a lot of parents uh, because for so long it was, well, the kids are okay mostly. You know, the kids are okay. And that's still a lot of the things that are out there. When I when you Google it up, because I, try, I do it every day, uh, you still get a lot of the things that say, well, the you know, the kids are mostly okay from this thing. They're still not being affected. You know, and then, the, then it started to be changed. Uh, more kids are being a little more affected by this. Do you, if you have a, a young kid, should that child go to school now in this state? I think so. But what I'd like to see is what a lot of the school systems just in the last week or so, the Hoover, sorry, the Homewood uh, system, the Mountain Brook school system now have mandatory masking. I would like to see every school system do that because look, we can't have it both ways. I want our kids to be back in school. There are uh, lots of problems when you keep kids at home. It's hard to learn and they miss out on the socializations. We want them back in school. So with that, then we need to make them safe. And the safest way to have them attend school right now, since we don't have the vaccine available to them just yet, is to make sure they're wearing a mask. And as I said earlier, 
Masks work best when everyone is wearing them. Optional doesn't get the job done. So here's what's going to happen, I think. I mean, Yogi Berra would say predictions are always difficult, especially when they involve the future. <laughs> well, here we go. With that as a caveat, um, I'm concerned that these school systems that are not pushing mask wearing and throwing kids back into schools, classrooms that are sort of normal size, all it's going to take is one kid to come in. It's going to happen. I'd say in the probably the first week, some kid's going to show up with Delta. Delta being more infectious is going to take over a classroom where it could be 30, 40%, maybe more in the classroom are going to come down with COVID. And then they're going to be held at home for 10 days while all the other parents are sort of concerned. Well, did my kid got exposed? What do I do? Well, they're going to have to go into quarantine for 10 to 14 days. And then what does the school, what does the school year look like with kids coming out of school like that? It's going to happen. This, this thing will broadcast before kids go back. This should be around the first or second week of September. It's not hard to predict if you just follow everything that I've said so far on this broadcast. We are going to see spread among kids. Then to your point, some of them, not many, some are going to get pretty sick and are going to end up in children's hospital. And some of those pretty sick are going to end up in the ICU. And heaven forbid, but it's very possible that one or two or three or maybe 10 over time might succumb. Then where are we going to be? And if you're a school board member, that's on your head, in my opinion. That, it's, to me, it's sending your kid to school without a vaccination and no mask. It's like taking your kid to school in your car without a car seat. It's the same thing. You don't know if an accident's going to happen, but heaven help you if it does. At least the car seat's there to protect you. The mask is also there, but it's only going to work if everybody's wearing it. I, I, I appreciate everything you just said. Uh, I think it's really important, and I think you're right. The implications are, are, are very sobering. It, it does seem to me as though we run another risk. And I'm not talking now about what you just said, doctor, but it's sort of in the grand scheme of things as we evaluate all of the dynamics and, and competing ideas and so forth. And that is of becoming an us versus them society where the vaccinated are, are revered, the unvaccinated are not revered and are, in fact, uh, ostracized. Um, and um, I wonder if, and I know this is not an epidemiological question, it's a sociological question, maybe a political question, but I wonder, I wonder though, as a scientist, as a clinical scientist, if you have any concerns about what kind of impact that's going to have on our progress, if, if, we, if we do indeed separate into this vaccinated versus unvaccinated society. Well, I hope that we don't end up in this sociologic warfare. Um, and please, let's keep the politics out of this. Um, I, I try to resist uh, in, engaging in that, but if you know, take a position of mask and vaccination, everyone automatically assumes to me to be on, on the Alabama or Auburn side, whichever it might be, but that's kind of how it is, right? And so I am finding that it's natural just because 
the virus itself discriminates, right? The virus disproportionately, in a big way, makes unvaccinated people sick, very sick, compared to those who are vaccinated. So there's the segregation right there. It's biology. And the reason that you see public health officials and myself almost screaming, get vaccinated, is because we see the patients. We see them coming in the hospital and we're taking care of them. And as a professional, we rise above this thought. But I got to tell you, you can't be human and watch somebody come in that you're taking care of in profound in profound ways. You're taking care of someone who really didn't take care of themselves, if we're going to be blunt about it. Yet we rise above that and we will take care of them and we will do our best to keep them alive. But sadly, many of them are going to die. But the healthcare workers in the hospitals right now taking care of people, this is their third tour of duty. This is their third tour of duty. So it's like being in a war zone with intense fire, intense fire. And you're going out every night like they did on those um, those uh, missions in Vietnam, for example, and the enemy is everywhere and you're hunkered down, scared to death, doing the best you can to survive. That's what it's like for the healthcare workers fighting this fight every day. And they know that down deep that these folks who are coming in, a lot of them are unvaccinated and yet they're going to fight through it because they're professionals, but it does take an emotional toll and it does wear people out. The healthcare workers in our community and in our state are exhausted right now. And the storm is just revving up again. So for their sake, for your own sake, for the sake of your community, please get vaccinated. It works. It works and it's safe. Just do it. Well, you know, I have, uh, I could probably keep you around for another, you know, 72 hours or so asking questions, uh, you know, and just, uh, but uh, I don't think there would be a better uh, place to end than, than that, uh, with that plea. Um, uh, so listen, I hope I, I would love to speak to you again about football or something, uh, you know, or your, your, your grandbaby or, or whatever. Uh, but I hope that we can put this portion of our lives behind us, get back to some level of normalcy in the near future. But um, I don't think that there, I, I know it's got to be exhausting doing all of these media interviews and everything else, in addition to all of the other work that you're doing. And we really appreciate it. I think you have saved a lot of lives and, and, and affected people and the information that you've given out here and in other media outlets is very, very important. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time and coming on with us today. It's a privilege to be with you, truly, because this is a way we can get word out. I applaud you for uh, having this program so that we have the opportunity to alert the public. Um, there, there, you don't pay me to do this, right? Uh, any media, any you really media, pay any, me to do this, you know? That's a <laughs> any media interview I do or any of my colleagues do is, is because we care and we want we want to alert the public to what we're seeing. And right now, what we're seeing, just like a weather person on TV, there's a storm coming. It's not an if, it's a 100% probability that it's going to hit us. The question is to what degree and how many people are going to be taken in its wake. And to prevent the next storm, now's the time to get vaccinated. It's kind of too late to stop the one by Labor Day, but at least we can wear a mask get vaccinated so that October and November are better. And maybe, maybe if we all do that, 
Thanksgiving will be normal this year, as will Christmas. Wouldn't that be great? It's in our control. Let's get vaccinated. Let's do this. All righty. Uh, that is uh, Dr. Michael Sag. We really, again, we really appreciate you coming on here Thanks, and, and everything else you've done. Uh, so, all right, we're going to slide out. We'll come back, wrap this thing up in just a few minutes. Back in a moment. Alrighty, welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Uh, really appreciate uh, Dr. Sack coming on. It's uh, always always good information. I wish more people would listen. I really really do uh, to him and and what he says. But uh, you know, yeah. all we, all we can do is give it to you. We can't make you follow it. Um, uh, kind of this, it's kind of our motto of the podcast. All we can do is give it to you. We can't force you to subscribe. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you should. Uh, by the way, we, we do a question uh, every week uh, from people. Uh, you can email in at apwproducer uh, at gmail.com. <laughs> Why do you do that? <laughs> it drives our producer crazy. So you can email in at apwproducer uh, at com. Uh, don't forget it, apwproducer at gmail.com. Uh, this week's question uh, is will the state legislature ever change from a hybrid body to a full-time legislative body in order to conduct the policy making of the state? Hmm. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it <laughs> happening uh, anytime soon. I, I don't know that there's a, I mean, I don't get the sense that there's a real, the legislators feel a real sense of urgency about it. In fact, I don't even know that the people of Alabama generally yeah. do. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the, the general feeling I have of the people is that they would prefer them to be there as little as possible. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, and so, you know, and and there's often, there's so many complaints as it is from people now about uh, how much time it takes, you know, how much of their business they're unable to, to run and, uh, you know, how it cuts into their, their bottom line, their personal bottom lines, which is nonsense of those people go in, go in poor and come out rich, most of them. And so it's, you know, uh, and just shocking how that happens. Uh, but uh, at every level, I, and listen, you know, in most yeah. cases, I'm not saying anything nefarious is taking place. It's, uh, you know, you can see a number of, if you think about it, I, I would always get irritated with people who talk about the Obamas. Look at how much money the Obamas are making. Look at this brand new house that they've got over here. How did that happen? Well, the man's giving speeches for like a million dollars a speech. What do you mean? How did it happen? Right. I mean, you know, he's writing bestsellers, uh, you know? Yeah, well, they're, but they're, but Josh, you're forgetting, you know, you're forgetting one longstanding American principle. They're Negroes, Josh. Oh, that's right. I Negroes forgot. aren't supposed to prosper. Yeah. yeah. There goes those rich neighborhoods. I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. The black family has moved in. There that's goes right. the neighborhood. That's right. Uh, you're forgetting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, listen, I and I, I really wish we would get to the point where we uh, would start calling the Obama daughters uh, and getting their opinions on various things, like we do the Trump kids. Uh, you know, mm. where Don Jr. and Ivanka and whatever that that weird alien like husband of hers, um, Kushner. Oh, Jared, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. You know, I, we we ask their opinions on things for some reason or another. I, uh, to me, the the much smarter kids are the the Clinton kids and uh, Clinton daughter and uh, and and the Obama daughters. So, you know, mm. that's just me. But no, to answer the question, no, they're they're, they're never going to go to that. Um, that's you know, they, there's too much complaining now about all of it. So, 
No chance. Yeah, I don't Zero. think there is either. Even though, having said that, the challenges that face our state, I think, are so tremendous and have gotten so uh, extensive and, and, and complicated that actually there's probably an argument for a legislator, a legislature that operates you know, on more of a full-time basis, but, yeah, but like I'm not you sure said, if it's I want it to be this legislature though. <laughs> well, okay. Now, and I hear you on that. I yeah, hear you on yeah. that. You know, I, yeah. and I really, I mean, look, look, party, I'm going to make I'm my case. I'm, I understand it. Yeah. But I'm going to make my case. If, if we had that uh-huh. uh, back during the pandemic, they would have screwed that up. Right. I mean, when I would say back during the pandemic, but when, you know, back last year, right. when, uh, when things were, were much up. serious. Yeah. yeah. When, and when we had the lockdown, we had the mass mandates and all of those things, uh, they would have screwed that up. They would have, they would have come in and overrode the governor and the, and the health officer, and they would have screwed that thing up. Yeah. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, we're better off not. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get your point. I, there are some things that need to be addressed, but I have no faith whatsoever that these guys would be able to address those problems. Hmm. Uh, you know? I just don't. um, Not in any way that would satisfy people, you know, humans. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I get it. I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I just meant generally speaking. If we had a, and I'm not even saying that it would have to be a a democratic, a a, a legislature controlled by the Democratic Party necessarily, but certainly if we had a legislature where it wasn't so lopsided, where the Democrats had more voice, more say, could leverage some things, uh, I think it would force some accountability that we don't currently have and some better decision-making. And of course, if we had a democratically controlled legislature, I think the state would be better off because I think the policies of our party far exceed the the policy positions that the the Republicans have taken. But, you know, but then of course I'm going to say that, right? Well, I mean, you you are clearly a homer uh, for the for the for the party. So you know, I mean, it's we 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 discussed this last week. I mean, right. you surprised me by letting me know that you were part of. It. I had no idea. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, speaking of surprising things that David has told me, um, would you like to go ahead and admit now? Uh, we, we were discussing prior to coming on the, uh, on the show here uh, while we were setting things up. Uh, COVID and its impacts on things. And I mentioned the college football season. Uh, right. And uh, and David started rattling off numbers, of, you know, for stadium capacity. And I was like, whoa, dang, yeah, that's, yeah. He said 70,000. They're going to put 70,000 in the stands. I'm like, 70,000? What, are they playing A-Day? What, what, are they practicing? I don't you know. And, uh, and I've come to find out that David does not watch college football. Uh, as a general rule, I do not. I didn't grow up watching college football. I grew up watching, uh, I, you know, as as I think I've said before, I grew up in Chicago and I watched professional sports for the most part. You know, the Cubs, the Sox, the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks for hockey, and that's what I that's what I kept up with. And uh, and then as I got older. I started looking at some college basketball just because of the popularity of the DePaul team back in the late 70s when uh, Isaiah Thomas and Mark Aguirre and some other people were on that team. Terry Cummings, I think. But then, you know, so coming down here in the early 80s to this 
this religion of college football, SEC yeah. sports, it was just sort of foreign to me, man. And I, I, I've never I, really been able to connect with it. I, I got to tell you, uh, I did not. I did not take the rumors of you being a communist serious until just now. Um, I, I did not. Uh, and uh, now that I know for sure, uh, it's, it's it is surprising. Uh, but uh, no, it's. I mean. Forty years you've been here, and you're still not following college football. I don't know what else needs to happen. I mean, just, not much. I mean, yeah. I mean, there've been moments here and there where I've checked it out, but I'm just not. I'm not the. I'm not the. Uh, you know, I'm not the fan that. You know, like you and a lot of other people are. I'm real casual about it. I may or may not know what's going on at any given moment in time. Honestly. Yeah, I'm, no, I understand. I understand completely. It's uh, you know, it, it's how it happens. Uh, you know. That's how it works. That's how it works sometimes. And I, I get it. You know, people are people. Uh, people are comments. I understand. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, we wanted to talk about before we get to our right wing nut um, was um, our, our friend uh, Mo Brooks uh, and uh, and Donald Trump are together. I guess somehow holding a rally in Coleman. Which I gotta tell you, if you told me to pick the perfect place for a Trump rally, I would tell you cow pasture in Coleman, Alabama would be, I mean, top of the list of places where I would say a Trump rally should be held. And it's gonna be August the 21st, and it's gonna start at two in the afternoon. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. They better have the ambulances ready, all right? Because I have seen Trump rallies. Those are not the healthiest people in the world, okay? They are not. And they are going to be standing in the August sun for hours in the middle of a field with no way to get water, no way for, to get shade. Uh, you got to spend $500 at least to get inside of an air-conditioned tent. Yeah, they they some people going to die out there. Um, I mean, but... More importantly, I guess, and not more importantly than people's lives, because I listen, I may disagree with the Magus, but I don't want any of them to, to die or to even you know be ill or anything out there. I, you know, I wish you if, if you're in bad shape, man, and you happen to listen to this podcast, which the chances are slim. I understand that. But if you know somebody, stop them from going to this. OK, because I mean, uh, I, I think even in the even if it's in the high 80s or, or low 90s, it's going to be a hot, hot day out there for that period of time. So, you know, act accordingly. Don't let people get hurt out there. Watch listening to a grifter. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, the other thing that we have with this is this has seriously and no, no lie. This has fractured the Republican Party. So, uh, and we wrote about this, Bill Britt wrote a story about it this week, uh, about how this has caused a real rift inside. And we've, we've fr talked further to some people, uh, since then. And there is, uh, there are some very, very angry people about this because there appears to be some collusion between the Brooks campaign, the Trump PAC people 
and the Alabama Republican Party, which the Alabama Republican Party should not be taking sides in a contested primary. That's kind of one of their rules is they won't do this. Now, you know, they, they've nitpicked the rule a little bit when we talked to them about and said, well, that's, that's really only for the chairman and the finance people, which we said, well, yeah, but I mean, hell, you gave $300,000 to the, the, the Trump. $300,000. No wonder he's coming. Right. You know? Right. This is what he does, man. It's such right. a and, such and, a con. And with a and with a donation of that or a payment or whatever they're calling it of that amount, that 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 automatically implicates the chairman and the finance people. Yeah. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, if I were if I were Katie Britt or Linda uh, uh Blanchard or the other person whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, which is, uh, I think that's our, her actual name. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, I, no disrespect to the person, but they they don't have a chance. Um, <laughs> it, it, I would be really furious <laughs> about this whole situation. I'd be absolutely furious. Oh because yeah, it does appear as though from the marketing, it appears as though there's a clear, and not just the marketing, but. The way that the, if I recall correctly from the story, Josh, isn't there some kind of um, incentive that's built into the contribution that people mm-hmm. have to make that in order to be there that benefits Mo Brooks's campaign directly? Yes. If, if you contribute uh, to a certain level, you get the preferred parking, you get to go into the tent, the air-conditioned tent. Uh, area you get pictures with Mo Brooks, uh, all that. Same thing if you donate to the Alabama Republican Party. Now, um, uh, in the early versions of this thing, it noted on the Trump website. Now, the Trump website said this was an event held by the Alabama Republican Party and in conjunction with their summer meetings. So, you know, this is uh, basically they've co-opted the summer meetings as a fundraising rally for Mo Brooks. Uh, for the most part, which should anger the hell out of them. Listen, I, as I said earlier on uh, uh, recording the TV show, uh, I I am not accusing anybody of violating the law, but I think that what they're doing could be a violation of federal law. Right. And I think it, I'll tell you this, I know for a fact that some people have reported it. So it will be, it will be investigated or at least looked at. And I think some, there will be a decision made on that. Maybe it won't, maybe it, maybe it skirts the line just as it, you know, right up to it, but it definitely skirts the damn line. So Uh, then I guess the real question, Josh, is what, what is the impact? Ultimately, what is the impact on, on the U S senatorial race? uh, If this thing goes through as is currently scheduled. Well, I think it's it'll be it'll be a fundraising event for Brooks, so it'll help it'll help boost some campaign funds for him. There's no doubt about that. So people are going to donate, and they're going to because the people want to get the, their asses in that air conditioned tent uh, on the 21st. There's no doubt about that. So it'll it'll be helpful in that regard. Now, um, you know, it, it may they may have to pay a penalty, which would hurt uh, down the line, <laughs> but it'll be it'll be a boost initially for them. I think, though, ultimately, it has so angered a lot of people in the party that. Uh, it could ultimately hurt him down the line in front because they got a long way to go in this race. I mean, hell, we're talking about next summer before the primary, so right. uh, you know it's you, you've still got a ways. And so um, you know, I, I think it could ultimately hurt him in fundraising and in party support uh, because there's so much attention drawn to this, and there's so much bad blood right now uh, within the party o- over this deal. So you know, uh, we'll see, but uh, you know, I don't know. 
And we still know. and we still have, in addition to however this plays out, we still have uh the unknowns related to uh Brooks, uh Mo Brooks and, and his role in uh January sixth insurrection to fact. Because yeah, that's right. between the the Swalwell's lawsuit and uh, whatever action the House uh, is going to take after these hearings, I mean, you just you know, he may he may now some would argue that that whatever the House does is just going to help him with his base, and maybe that's true, but then again, maybe it's not. His base ain't that big, you know what I mean? His base mm. ain't that big, yeah. uh, and so uh, it may help him with his base, but it, that's not the people he needs to win this race. The people he needs to win this race are the same mothers and daddies out there uh, that uh, around this state that would vote Republican but aren't in, in on all this anti-COVID, anti-vax, uh, you know, insurrection stuff. Yeah, uh, they're the uh, go to work. Uh, pay the bills, uh, make sure you get some jobs into this state, help the bottom line. Uh, you know, at Katie Britt on the, on the social votes, he and Katie Britt are going to vote exactly the same. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's no, and, and smart people, smart voters recognize that it's what you're going to do for the state. Other than that, that's going to be the difference uh, for a lot of those voters. And I think that there's, you know, that, that sort of stuff is not going to help him with those people. Uh, name mm-hmm. recognition, maybe, but uh, at a point, Name recognition only goes so far. You you mm-hmm. got to put something on the table. But all right, right wing nut of the week, so we can get ourselves out of here. All right, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, ah. who is a lifetime member of the right wing nut party, um, and uh, but she was in Dothan uh, recently and said some things. She she kicked the press out, so the press was not available. It was not in the room to hear her remarks. Uh, but a video of her speaking uh, was leaked out to some media members. Uh, we have a clip of that in which she uh, <laughs> mentions Alabama is the least vaccinated state and people cheer. Um, but to me, the more troubling thing that she said was essentially that she was encouraging people. Uh, she said something along the lines of, uh, we love our Second Amendment rights in the South, and we don't appreciate people coming to our door, uh, which was really odd to me. I, I what the hell ever happened to Southern hospitality? I mean, you can't go to somebody's door. I mean, I, again, I don't understand the thing about the door. Is people knocking and ringing your doorbell really that big of a problem for you? It, it it's not. It shouldn't be, and it's not. <laughs> but but then she talked about shooting. Feds, uh, that may have been the word she used, uh, feds who, who knock on your door. So, you know, she's basically, again, advocating, you know, not just violence, but mm-hmm. fatal violence. Well, fatal uh, violence. Yes. Against federal authorities. Well, well it is, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, let me tell you this thing. I, and I, she's I, in I Congress. I know, man. I know. It's, it's amazing every day. But- as I was researching for another story last night, I ran across this story. In the 19, late 1930s, early 1940s, um, President Roosevelt, as they were dealing with polio, sent out an army of volunteers, basically, to go door to door and talk to people about polio, uh, the vaccine effort, uh, to raise money for the vaccine effort, because they didn't have a National Institute of Health at that point. Uh, and so they were trying to raise money, and every little bit would help, they would say, even as small as a dime. And it became known 
as the March of Dimes. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got the March of Dimes. And that's how we basically got a polio vaccine. And 600,000 children were volunteered for the trials of the polio vaccine. And Marjorie Taylor Greene essentially recommended that we shoot the March of Dimes people and not take the vaccine that cured polio. That's, you know, if you transplant what's taking place today to that time period, that's essentially what's taking place right now. And I, I don't, man, you know, I don't know what to do with people anymore. This idea that everybody's out to get you, uh, you got to use a gun to shoot somebody coming to your door, just trying to give you information, uh, that that the vaccine is somehow, somehow evil. Dr. Fauci has a sinister plot to control your brain with Bill Gates, I guess. Um, that, I, I, you know what? You're stupid. Take the vaccine and stop dying. How about that? You know, it really could be as simple as that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you're right. And I would also add again, there's something very disturbing about this spirit of hostility because you don't agree with something and you don't, you you know, you don't like something. And so you've got such a, 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 a acute level of hostility that you live with and that you, you practice that you you think it's okay to advocate murder, basically. So, you know, it's just insane, man. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, God, I, it's, I, you know, well, I tell you what drives me crazy. All right, is this idea that somehow when I go on Twitter or Facebook or on this podcast or write something about this that I'm somehow trying to fool people into into being into doing what I want them to do uh that that me saying oh, you should have seen what I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week you should have seen some of the responses uh to to this tweet about college football that I said you know basically you know, on our current track there's no way colleges can open up college football stadiums full capacity if we've got hospitalizations that are higher than they were back when everything was shut down. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and I, I this I, the reason I tweeted it. I saw an interview with Alabama's AD uh, Greg Byrne who said, you know, uh, we have not really had serious conversations about ro- pushing back because you know they had guaranteed 100 percent capacity uh, and all this. And he said, you know, we've not had real serious conversations yet about rolling this back. But we don't like what we see in the hospitalization numbers and in the vaccination rates and things like that. And we would really encourage people to go out and get their vaccines because we want to have 100 percent and we need people to do their part, which is essentially him saying, yeah, man, we're going to have a real problem liability wise. If you people don't go get a damn vaccine and we can't force, you know, we can't make you prove that you've been vaccinated to get into the stadium, uh, we're, we're going to have a real problem in being able to have 100 percent. The people, oh, this is fear porn. Uh, you know, this is uh, ridiculous. You have no idea what you're t-. you know. It's it's like they're it's like a bunch of children who you've told <laughs> if you run out in the street, you're gonna get hit by a car. Kiss my ass! I love cars. You know, I mean, it's just what are you talking about? I mean, it's just you know what I mean. I, I what are you? What is this logic in your head about this thing? I mean. I don't understand at all what what I'm trying. What am I trying? I'm trying to save your life. That's all I care about. You know, I I don't want you to 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 be sick. I don't want you to be in the hospital. I- and, and, and 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 in addition to your 
good intentions, which we know you have, because you're you're really just a sweetheart of a guy and an angel. We all know that. Um, there's also the I really reality. wish I had called you a communist earlier. <laughs> there's, there's also there's also the reality that there used to be a time in our country when people could just have a conversation or even have a debate that was civil. We can have a civil debate without it, you know, devolving into this, you know, finger pointing accusations about people's motives. I mean, why can't I have an opinion? You don't have to agree with it and vice versa. You can have an opinion. I don't have to agree with it. But, you know, I don't have to demonize you because your opinion's different than mine. Yeah, I just, it's not, you know, what bothers me is not that they have the different opinion. It's that they... They seem to believe that people are trying to pull a fast one on them. And I don't, I, there, there's no logic in this chain of things, you know, where it's, uh, all right, well, you know, they'll, because they'll say, well, you know, Trump doesn't get enough credit for the vaccine. The vaccine that you're not taking? What do you right. mean? You know? <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, what do you, I just, it makes your head, you want to, your head wants to just explode with this. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, well, you know, I, I'm young and healthy. Well, so are a lot of people. But, you know, who's not young and healthy are all the people you might spread it to, you know? That's well, right. haven't they had a vaccine? Yeah, but they could still be, uh, you know, compromised with this stuff because, you know, the vaccines are not 100%. Oh, the vaccines aren't 100%. We haven't heard that one. How come so nobody told us? What the hell are you talking about? The flu vaccine isn't 100% either. You know, the polio vaccine wasn't 100%, but we had it for so long and people took it because they weren't morons and they were just, I mean, it's just, that's all it is. Every day, that's the end every day with, (laughs) well, you know, just chill, just chill. I can't, you know, just chill. That's why I watch all this sports. Is that, is that how you chill? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really how I chill, especially when the Braves bullpen starts. Yeah, that's that's not a very chill effect. I got to tell you, not a chill effect. Yeah, no. Go up to Tennessee, man, and get you some medical marijuana, man. Just relax. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I can get me a pill here in Alabama now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 See. Yeah. I or just. Go to my guy. All right. <laughs> Your guy. <laughs> you have a guy? <laughs> no, I don't have a guy. I don't have a guy. Local guy. I don't have a local guy. Uh, but to put him out of business with all these pills. Yeah. You know. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, you know, listen, I, rants aside, this was mm. a fabulous show. It really was. So It went, it yeah. went well. Yeah. It went well. The rants, the rants get a little dicey sometimes, but I think oh, overall it was a good show. Get you. Well, I mean, if, if I could just get you calmed down, yeah, yeah, um, then I think we. I, I need to stop being the angry black man. It's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, you know. There's yeah, so much to be angry about as a black man. It's difficult. Well, it's you know, it's me really, uh, the the angry white man for no reason. So, uh, which is on very on point. I gotta say, very on on brand, as, as they say. So. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Until next week, uh, you guys be safe out there. We're out. Peace.